Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This week on the Wholehearted Dating Podcast, our guest is Victoria Yates. Victoria is a registered nurse turned health coach and intuitive eating counselor who helps women create healthy lifestyles without dieting. So on today's episode, we're digging into identity crisis as a major defining part of the journey to heal our relationship with food and our body image. Victoria talks through her story and how she helps her clients let go of the healthy girl identity that is so incredibly wrapped up in perfectionism in order to cultivate a healthier, more balanced relationship with food and find who you really are. So as you'll see in the episode, it was Victoria's own struggles with her relationship with food and her body that led her to want to help women with who were struggling with the same issues. She saw that the way that everyone talks about pursuing health and wellness had a major flaw, that it wasn't sustainable or honestly healthy at all. So she now helps women work towards their health goals in a way that is more sustainable and works with their bodies through first building a strong foundation of a positive relationship with food and their bodies. You have recently had within the last, you know, two, three years, kind of like a rebranding and everything. And this really goes along with the theme of what we wanted to ask you about today of identity crisis, right? Because a lot of people who are going on this journey of healing from diet culture, healing their relationship with food and body image, one of the main obstacles that we see as clinicians in their healing journey is kind of this identity crisis, right? Like you say, letting go of the healthy girl identity and finding who you really are. And before we get into how you do that with clients and what it looks like for them, I would love to hear your side of the story of like, did you have that identity crisis, whether it was from the practitioner side of things or on the personal side of things? And what did that look like for you? Yeah, mine was more on the personal side. So I would say, you know, when all of my issues with food and body image started, it was kind of like in that place of, uh, like middle school, early high school for me when it just like started. And I think a lot of people from what I've talked from people I've talked to can relate to, you know, that's like a time, a very pivotal time where a lot of you know, us are, we're figuring out like who we are. And a lot of times kind of like food and body image correlates with that too. And so at least for me, that was the time where I like really started to explore, you know, what does it look like to eat healthy and take care of my body and all of those good intentions kind of turned into this obsession, um, that turned unhealthy and, it really started with just trying to figure out like, who am I, who do I want to be? And I had in my mind, like, okay, I want to be the healthy girl. Like I want to be known for that. And I started, I think it really started from, I started to get a lot of praise around the way I was eating and the way I was exercising. And it's like, you know, it turned into this, like, just trying to 
continue to get that praise and adoration for the way that I was eating and exercising and looking and all of this, the way that our culture really, um, uh, talks about health and wellness and, um, praises people for that. And I think that that is something that, um, needs to be addressed and talked about more is that the way that people talk about health and, and commend people for eating, you know, we never know what's going on on the inside. And for me, it was like very disordered looking back. Right. And, um, the way that I was like obsessing about food. And so it kind of just started with, uh, that getting all this praise and, um, turned into just like, I felt like my whole identity was built on, all right, I'm, I'm the healthy girl. And this, you know, this really led to just having a a hard time with letting go of that identity in order to find a healthier relationship with food in my body, because it was like, I felt like, okay, well, if I'm not the healthy girl, if I'm not portrayed as this person, if I'm not, you know, eating this way and like, which is basically restricting and dieting, if I'm not eating like this, then who am I? Right. And it's like having to figure that out, um, along with all, all that goes into making peace with food and having a better relationship with food and myself figuring out like, okay, well, if I'm not this person who's dieting all the time and like praised for that, then who am I? You know, there's all these fears that, um, kind of went along with that, that really, I feel like did prohibit me from making progress. Uh, You know, eventually I got through that and, and I think we'll talk about that, but, um, yeah, it was just a different level that I think a lot of people don't talk about. I totally understand what you mean about how people don't really talk about that very much. And I think it's such an important topic because there is such a layer, especially when you start to go into this work from a personal standpoint of, Okay, so uh, and a lot I feel like a lot of people ask this question too like well if I'm not doing that what am I doing? And what does that mean? And am I now unhealthy? I think that's like the big fear which we're going to like kind of like dive into that in a little bit. But I so related to you in a lot of ways around what you said about in like middle school, high school about that time frame when you started getting into it because I feel like that was it for me as an athlete, I was a dancer and I was a lacrosse player and so a lot of the things too, like you become part of that as your identity. And, and especially when you're trying to fit in with a culture too, right? Like I'm trying to fit into the mold of what a dancer looks like. And people talk about what that looks like and how you be that way and how you are that way. And, and then, you know, as you kind of grow, it, it gets a lot more muddled and becomes a lot more, it's also too, like what a pivotal time in trying to figure out who the heck you are anyways. <laughs> right. And so then it's really easy to latch on to something and say, Oh, I'm the dancer. And like, this is part of like what my identity is or, Oh, I'm the person who, who watches what I eat and takes care of myself. And I'm this healthy person. And this is what I've been told is healthy. And it's a lot to let go of. And also too to kind of figure out at the exact same time, it's like the perfect storm of, I don't know who I am and I'm going to latch on to something. And this something seems to be getting a lot of praise externally, which makes me feel good. It makes me feel welcomed and a part of society. It makes me feel like um, I fit in. And it's such a, like, again, like such an important time. It can be, it feels so vital to get that external validation. So 
I'm curious, could you dive a little bit more into how that external validation kind of impacted you even more and how um, it was difficult for you to break away? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's like, like you said, it's like that external validation just felt so good. And so you start to even subconsciously just have these thoughts of like, well, if I'm not, if I, you know, even just down to like the most, um, like very specific situation where it's like, if I eat this cookie and people see me eat this and they, like, I have this story in my head that, they see me as this healthy person, then what are they going to think of me? Are they going to think that I'm letting go? And I think, you know, a lot of the work I do, and I know you guys do with your clients is helping them to eat it more intuitively. Right. And, and like, that is part of, part of like the first steps that you take when you're starting to make peace with, or eat intuitively is to make peace with food and like start to explore eating those foods that you said were off limits for so long. And so, so once you start to do that, like, I experience all the time, you know, women have these thoughts of like, well, what are people going to think of me? And it's like this big grand story that we have in our heads. And I experienced this myself where it's like, okay, what are people going to think of me if I do this? And, you know, I think, um, obviously like with time and practice and like starting to take those steps bravely. And I think we have to definitely say that these are brave steps that you take in the beginning, because it's like, our culture does not, uh, praise eating the cookie. (laughs) It's like the opposite. And so, um, and yet it's like such, uh, obviously in our work, it's like, yes, good job. Like you ate the cookie without guilt. And, um, but it's like, yeah, getting through, okay, well, I really am so much more like as a human being, like I have worth and value aside from the way that I'm eating, aside from the way that I'm exercising, aside from all these things that I'm doing, like innately, I, I am worthy. I am enough. Like I don't need to prove myself. I don't need to be so concerned about what other people are thinking. I need to know who I am. And so that's, I know a lot of the work that we're doing is like, it's more than just the food. It's about like who, you know, getting back to who am I, what's my identity and how do I see myself? That is like the big work that, that we do. And then obviously like how you are with food is a trickle out of that. Um, so I think that's a big part of, um, you know, becoming more intuitive with food is releasing the story that you have in your head that you are not enough because, or you are not enough in, in less aside from the way that you're eating. Right. So I think that that is, that is, um, a big part of, you know, if people are starting to move towards a better relationship with food, that's a big aspect of making that progress. Yeah, and it's super hard too because the initial stage of this is really the internal like battle, right, of I am enough, I am enough, I am enough, right? But then a lot of people who struggle with this as well also struggle with people-pleasing a lot. And when we talk about, you know, like you said, well, what are these other people going to think of me? There's another aspect as well is like if you did embody this identity for a really long time, let's say middle school, high school, like let's say it was just up until high school and then you kind of, you know, found a different way in college or maybe it was just in college, you know, 
once you're removed from that situation and then you've been on this new journey for a while, you kind of start to think like, well, wait a minute, those people really only knew me in that identity. So what are they going to think of me now that I'm this, you know, really new person, basically, whether you're more confident or you're just, you know, you're starting to experiment with this and it's this really kind of volatile time of you do need support wherever you can get it. And so you start to wonder like, will I be friends with those people anymore? Like, will I be ashamed of seeing them as like a different person you know what will they think of me and when the people pleaser comes out it's like oh gosh like I don't want to make other people uncomfortable like maybe I'll just go back to restricting so we don't have to have this uncomfortable conversation like I'm going to be uncomfortable they're going to be uncomfortable it would be so much easier if I just made it easier for both of us by restricting and changing my body again and oh it's just there's so many layers and it's so hard yeah I think it's really important to point out too that it's it's uncomfortable like it just is. It's uncomfortable to go through any change and it's uncomfortable to, um, you know, change the way that you're going about food, you know, it's, it, but also I think we, we, <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like we also have this tendency to like really get in our heads about how other people are thinking. Whereas, I mean, if I think about like how I would be, if I like now seeing someone else, uh, how they eat and like, if they started to stop restricting and like eating whatever, and, uh, like just started to act really confident. Right. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be thinking anything negative about them, you know, except that that's like the story that we have in our head is like, what are people going to think? Like they're going to be really uncomfortable, but it's a lot of times when you take a step back and think like, wait, would they be? And also does that matter? Um, but that goes back to the people pleasing. So that's something that, you know, definitely we got to, we have to work on releasing when we're doing this work. Yeah, I think something that I was thinking about as you were sharing, like what other people are thinking and that people pleasing piece of it is we tend to think that since we have such a spotlight on what we're doing and what we're eating and how we're interacting with food, especially if we have this identity that we think people are putting the exact same spotlight on us and really they're putting the spotlight on themselves and like people are a lot more like not in a bad way a lot more self-involved and everyone who's especially what Dana was mentioning about the friend group too like what will my friends think especially if your friends are doing the same thing they're going to be thinking to themselves about their own plate and what's going on with their own body and trying to fight through all of those thoughts themselves that they might not even notice, or quite frankly, they might be a little bit jealous, like kind of like, oh man, I wish I could do (laughs) like, why does it seem so easy for them to relax around food? And it's, and it's like, I'm having such a combative relationship with it. And I think that's like one thing to kind of remember too, when we tend to be people pleasers and, um, we, we tend to think that people have as much of a spotlight on us as we have the spotlight on ourselves. And that's like not really the case. Sometimes it absolutely can be the case. And believe me, those people will tell you what they're thinking, <laughs> um, which can be a challenge in and of itself. Um, but another layer that I've been thinking about too, of not just the the people pleasing, and I think it it plays into it perfectly, is that level of perfectionism of thinking about how perfect we have to be and the execution of it and like how we define what it means to be this identity in a lot of ways too is kind of like overly perfectionistic in the way that we interpret it, embody it, and then want to portray it. And I think that 
in and of itself is part of the the difficulty of breaking away from it is because of the way that we've defined it so tightly that it lets it makes it more difficult to kind of think to ourselves well what if it's not that what if it is more relaxed what if it could be different than the way that i've defined it and, and by it i mean healthy and what it means to be this identity what if it looks differently? What if people knew, like, what if I, am I letting go of a piece of myself as part of being in this quote unquote healthy identity, like my mental health or my emotional health or my relationship with others and my ability to be non-judgmental towards others. Maybe I'm pushing my own judgment onto other people and it's really about myself. And I think of that too as a, a big piece of it is that perfectionism in the way that we've tightly woven and and kept what the definition is for us personally so narrow that there's no way to deviate from it or expand or take a breath to make it a little bit bigger. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what the, the crisis isn't about, I don't know, potentially not your identity but about your definition, I think can be part of the hardest part. Yeah. Because it's, it's like not a bad thing to see yourself as like, Oh, I really like to take care of my body and like eat a certain way and like move my body. Like that's not the bad thing. It's when that's like everything to you. Right. And that goes back to the perfection. Like oftentimes when, when your whole identity is I'm the healthy girl, then there's that level of like perfection that you're holding yourself to. And perfection is like, when you have that mindset, it's something that we all know, like, obviously we all know that we're imperfect people, but we still have that expectation. But, um, I, love a quote that Brene Brown has on perfection. It was from her book. I thought it was just me, but it's not. Um, and I, I don't know the quote to a T, but basically it says like, if you're always striving for perfection, like you're always going to fail. Whereas like, if you turn it around and just strive for progress, like we can all strive for progress. But I think that that just goes back to like, when your whole identity is based on per like, when, when your whole identity is one thing, it, it sets you up for that all or nothing thinking that I think a lot of us are familiar with in like the diet culture world. Um, but it's just another way that we're setting us ourselves up for all or nothing thinking like, okay, I'm either hundred percent like the healthy girl and that's it, or I'm not. And that's where we run into some issues. Like totally fine to enjoy taking care of your body and all of that, but also enjoy other things. And I think that goes back to like, I was thinking when I was thinking about this whole conversation, just about how, um, we kind of get to like with any way that we see ourselves, we kind of get to be the one who decides what that is for ourselves. And that's really cool. Like to think like, all right, for me, myself, like, oh, I really enjoy reading. Like I'm someone who enjoys reading. That's part of who I am. I'm someone who enjoys coffee. That's like part of who I am starting to look at those other aspects of who you are, what makes you, you, what makes you unique aside from only being just, I am the healthy girl. Like that is more of like what a healthy relationship with yourself, a healthy self-concept, a healthy 
body image, just all around, like how you see yourself, it takes away that perfection that is going to set you up for failure. Yeah, we kind of have to think of ourselves as like a pie chart of many pieces, right? If your whole identity as like, I am a healthy fit person is 100%, then by default, there's going to be nothing else there, right? You There's no other time for other stuff. But Victoria, when you were talking, I was thinking about how I've seen all these TikToks in the past like year that are like, before the pandemic, like I enjoyed doing all these things. And now I don't have a personality anymore. Just kidding. Now my personality is only books, <laughs> you know, because like so many people have started to read way more during the pandemic, including me. I also love books. Um, but another thing that I was thinking of is many people like us who have embodied this healthy girl or healthy person identity at some point really want to make it their whole identity and then they decide to go into this like as a career right health coaching dietetics nutrition whatever and so that becomes even more a part of their identity because now it's not just like something they do it's their work and it's they're doing research for work and they're trying to you know the pressure to kind of like look the part quote unquote as a practitioner and like feeling like a fraud if you don't you know because there is this privilege and there is this assumption that oh if I'm gonna go see a dietitian I want one that like you know quote looks healthy or like looks the part right or this is I think even more evident with like personal trainers or with doctors or anything you know everyone has heard like oh I don't want to go see you know like a fat cardiology doctor or something it's like oh my god this is such like narrow thinking but the problem, one of the biggest problems I think here, and this is one of the reasons that I think a lot of dietitians and nutritionists and everyone will really stay entrenched in this identity, is that if you don't look the part, quote unquote, you one, feel like a fraud, and two, we are trained more than the average person to know what, you know, quote, healthy is and what it, quote, like should look like according to medical standards. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, that brings up a whole other layer. Um, I don't have as much experience with that because my, uh, my background is nursing and I think, so it's a little different. Like, I don't, I think there's, there's a, that's a whole other conversation, but, and I kind of like got into this work after healing my relationship with food and everything, but a hundred percent, like seeing, um, you know, that pressure to, look a certain way. I think that, you know, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure for that, but I personally see, like, I think there's a lot of, um, growth in that area. Like there's a lot of growth with the intuitive eating movement and the body positivity movement. So I think that we're moving in the right direction. We're not there yet. Um, but that's just a whole other, um, another area that, you know, people who are in this field, there's a whole, that's a whole nother level that they, I know there's struggle with that, with saying like, okay, well, I, I think for me, at least the way that I approach food, like I do feel like I, I want to portray this view to people that like, you can have a healthy relationship with food. You can have a, a mindset of around food that all foods can fit in a healthy diet and still also have a mindset. That's like, I want to take care of myself. Like that's a lot of, a lot of the clients I work with, they come to me because they want to have this non-obsessive relationship with food and also 
take care of themselves and like taking care of their body is something that, um, is important to them, but there's also this disconnect of like, it feels like two totally separate things, like eating intuitively on one hand and dieting and like restricting on the other hand, and there's no, or like eating healthy on the other hand, and there's no in between. And I think that that is, I mean, that's personally like what I want to embody that there's like this place in the middle where you can, I actually just finished, um, training for and running a marathon. And it was something I never thought I would ever do. And it's funny because like, I used to run back in the day when I was like really restrictive with food and like, I was obsessed with running and now being at this place where I enjoy running, but like my mindset about it is totally different. And like being able to approach the things that you want to do, whether they're health related or anything else related and be able to have this place in the middle where it's like, I enjoy, um, you know, eating all the foods and just like feeling totally relaxed around them. And also, uh, doing things that improve my physical fitness, right. And like reaching for goals that are related to physical fitness. Um, and I think, you know, that's part of like the work of like finding that middle ground, that gray space in the middle between the all or nothing thinking that, we as a culture have a hard time with because we're so inundated with like, it's either you're dieting and eating all the quote, right things, or you're eating all the things, you know, all the other things, right. All the fast food, all the, but there is this place in the middle. And I think that that I might be getting off topic, but, um, it's really, uh, that place where that is like normal eating. That is like living a normal life. (laughs) I think that's what we all are aiming to help people get to is like, what does eating just normally look like? Um, and that is that place. I agree. I think that's why we, we call it wholehearted eating. I think that's the scary thing about letting go of the identity, right? Is that, well, there's only two ways of being there's either I'm this person who has really has a very strong, very clear definition of what it means to execute. And this is where Dan and I talk about how our values and our rules can become really muddled in like this belief structure. We have a belief that that in order to be this person and to be this level of my identity and to embody what it means to be healthy looks and feels and is a certain way and it only can be executed by following these certain guidelines. And then what happens is when you're going into being more non-diet or non-restrictive or thinking to yourself, I'm going to be weight inclusive, ah, like it's like terrifying because they don't know how to define that. They don't know what it looks like. It's never been presented to them in the right, like in a way that was clear. There's no, there's, especially for someone who's very perfectionistic, there's no map, you know, there's no framework to lay out in front of you and say, hey, if you do these things, you're going to be non-diet, you're going to be able to do this stuff. And that's why sometimes some of the hardest parts can be um, reintegrating health promoting behaviors back in after you've done some of the some of the non-diet work, right? Like, I know that we see that a lot. I'm sure you do too, is like, people will come to me and say, I'm ready now that I've worked on my relationship with food and I've neutralized it. I'm now ready to start doing stuff and doing things a little bit differently and maybe being a little bit more intentional or practicing in the intuitive eating world, gentle nutrition. If we 
how do I do that without it becoming this whole tightrope around me again, like it once was, and still like, feel like I'm getting what my body needs, and I'm feeling good. And how do I define that? And I think that's like part of the scariest part for a lot of people when letting go of that identity is there's no clear definition. There's no clear roadmap. It's not laid out for you. There's no black and white, perfect little this or that. There's none of that. And you're right. It's all the gray, but it's the, it's in the gray where all the beauty is, right? It's in the gray where you get to define what things mean for yourself and how you want to do it and what means healthy to you and being able to redefine that. That's like a really cool place to be. Scary as shit, you know, at first. <laughs> at first, scary as shit, but over time it becomes this really beautiful place. And being able to embody that and being able to show your friends that that new identity is really powerful. And you start to see like my mom starts sending me articles now like, hey, your work in the mainstream. I heard about this on NPR and I got so excited. Like this is totally Christina's view. And before it would have been like, you know, 15 foods that are like health, like superpower foods is this type of crap that I would have been, been, would have been totally into before. Or watching some crazy documentary on Netflix that makes you fear everything in God's creation. But now it's different, right? It's like almost like there becomes a new identity that is really powerful and you start to see other people relating to you in different ways. And I don't think anyone thinks of me as any quote unquote unhealthy version of myself, of myself, just a little bit of a new version of what that means. And that's really cool to be able to redefine. Yeah. Yeah. I would, um, I would totally agree with that. I think, um, what, as you were talking, I was just thinking about like a lot of the work that I do with my clients is helping them rebuild trust with themselves. And that's why it feels so scary to not have rules because we don't trust ourselves. We haven't been told that we can trust ourselves. And so part of, yeah, this whole, like, rebuilding your identity is rebuilding trust with yourself, rebuilding trust that you can, you know, listen to your body, that your body isn't bad, that your body isn't like out to get you, which is totally a mindset I used to have is like, okay, my body's just out to get me. I think that's a big message that we're told in diet culture that, and that's why we need diets. That's why we need rules. That's why it feels more safe. Um, being someone who, yeah, is like a rule follower that felt really, really good to just say like, Oh, this is how you eat. This is how you don't eat, follow all the rules and all is going to be well, (laughs) but it's like not a fun place to be when you, you know, that's just not how our bodies work. Our bodies, as I'm sure you guys have talked about before, they just are, I like to call them rule rebels. Like any rules, we like to break them, you know, that's just like how our bodies work. And so it's, yeah, it's scary at first. It's like using different muscles that you've never used before. And they're like atrophied and weak. And then once you start to move into, okay, wow, I like, I'm practicing, trusting myself I'm practicing this like flexible identity of myself. That's not like, so pinpointed on healthy eating. Um, it's like, okay, it does get easier. I think that that's important for people to know. It does get easier. Just like working new muscles at the gym, you know, you start to work muscles you haven't used in a really long time. And then eventually it's like second nature and they're strong and they kick in right away. Right. So, um, 
but yeah, it's like all about rebuilding trust with yourself and rebuilding your identity in being someone who can trust themselves, um, is a lot of, a lot of the work. Yeah. I want to lean into that analogy a little bit more, right? Because I think this can elaborate on the process at the beginning of learning to trust your body again and why it's so hard, right? Because if you, for example, want to be a person who runs a marathon or runs a 5K or walks for a mile, you know, whatever it is, if you haven't been using those muscles for a really long time, it's going to be hard as shit in the beginning, right? Like it's not going to feel good. No part of it is going to feel good until you continue to do it, right? I mean, I think about like my kids for swimming when really the the only like off season you have for swimming is like three weeks in August, right? Three weeks off of training in the swimming world feels like years for any other sport, right? So when those kids get back in the water, they're like, oh my God, this hurts. That doesn't feel good. Like what is going on? They're sore for like two weeks. And then eventually they get in and the warm up that they do would have been like the entire practice that we did at the beginning of the year, you know? So it takes a lot. And then if you think about, you know, to use another analogy, like if you've had an injury or something and you can't use a muscle for whatever reason, right? Let's say that injury was to, we were told that we can't trust our bodies, so we've been following these external rules instead of internal cues, right? When you get a serious injury as an athlete or as a whoever, a lot of the time you need to go to physical therapy to learn how to use that body part safely and correctly again so that you don't get injured again. This initial stage of learning to trust your body again and trust your instincts and trust your gut and all this stuff, think of it as physical therapy, right? You can't just jump into intuitive eating. You can't just jump into, okay, we're going to listen to everything that our body has to say and I'm going to be perfectly in tuned with all of my body's internal cues. (laughs) First of all, you probably can't even hear those things. And if you do, you probably don't trust them, right? So think about this initial period as physical therapy, which by the way, is really hard, right? Physical therapy is a lot of the times really painful. It's working through the physical, mental, emotional trauma that you've had as a result of that injury. Like none of that is easy, but the other side of being pain-free and being able to move without pain is so incredibly worth it. Just like this whole journey, right? Being able to find whatever you want to call it, food peace, food neutrality, body neutrality, food freedom, whatever the label you want to put it is on there is so worth it to work through those hard parts. But given that we know that the parts are going to be really hard, please get yourself some support, right? Don't try and do this on your own. It's really hard. Yeah, your brain's going to want to go back to the rules because it's the safe place. Your brain's trying to keep you safe. And so it's going to say, this is scary. I don't want to do this. This new identity. Nope, not for me. (laughs) And so, yeah, yeah. 100% agree with that. That's why, that's why we have this. That's why we're here as professionals to help you get to that place. One of the things I was thinking about, well, yes, always work with someone, right? It's always so helpful. Um, you would hire someone to help you when you're doing any number of these things. Like Dana was mentioning, you're going to hire a PT, you're going to have that referral. But one of the things that I was thinking about when we were talking, when Dana was mentioning the PT and kind of an injury, right? And this is an injury, right? We've been trained a certain way to believe a certain thing. And we've had an injury with our body's trust mechanism, right? And when you go into PT, not only is it slow, not only is it working muscles that you haven't used in a while or or rebuilding muscles they haven't used in a while, it's also really repetitive. So you're doing the same thing kind of over and over and over again to build that 
to rebuild that muscle, right? And this is the exact same thing that you're talking about when it comes to building trust. It's really repetitive. It's waking up every day with the thoughts of dieting and saying, I'm not going to do that today. I hear you. I know that's what we go to. That is my default, but I'm trying to break away from that. So I'm going to let myself have the croissant this morning for breakfast. And I'm going to do that. And it's a really repetitive thing. Maybe it's a small bite the first day, but it's repetitive. And then you keep going with it. And then over time, you realize, like I've said to clients before, um, especially my eating disorder clients, I I see a lot of people with anorexia and, and things like that too. And they'll tell me like, oh, I... I had McDonald's and I remember saying to them, did the world stop turning, you know, and they'll say, no, it didn't. I woke up the next day and everything kept moving. I go, yeah, because the world doesn't stop, you know, and I think over time you start to see that and say like, I think I've attached so much to what this means and how to execute it that if I break away from it, it's like the whole world is going to shatter. And that's a lot of that anxiety around breaking away from it, the how we handle that perfectionism, that control that we want so much over our body and how it moves through the world, that you realize the minute you start to let go of some of those things, you realize the world keeps turning. Like everyone, I still went to school that day or I still went to work. My child still hugged me. Like all, all of the things that kept, that maybe kept, we kept in our mind that we thought we're going to completely unravel the minute we break away from it, we realize, wow, it didn't. And that is one of those steps in the repetitiveness where you start to see like, oh, wow, I can trust. Things don't shatter the moment that I break away from this or I deviate even slightly. Oh, wow, it didn't spiral into all of these other things that I thought was going to happen. Or even still, if you did, it says, hey, Maybe things did kind of spiral a little bit. What does that mean? You know, like how can we dive into that and what kind of what kind of trust can I build with that, you know? And it's just really interesting to me to kind of think about what you I really loved how you brought up body trust because I think it's true and it is so like it's a long game. Yeah, because our bodies are always changing. We're always like I'm always learning how to trust my body. I'm always reminded that I can trust my body. I I always have to make that choice. Okay. I'm going to trust my body with this, you know? So especially as women, like our bodies are changed so much over the course of our lifespan. So. Absolutely. And I think that's where it can get, I don't know, like really beautiful and really complicated. And I think really scary in the beginning, (laughs) right? Because again, like there is no roadmap. And building trust with your body, especially when it's been drilled in from the very beginning, not the very, very, very beginning, because babies don't have, (laughs) don't deal with this crap. Although there's medical weight stigma in infants, which is bonkers, but, um, but there comes like a point in your life where all of a sudden it becomes about this and it wasn't like this before. And I think it's really cool to look back and think about when did I actually just eat freely and have that kind of trust? And what did that look like? It looked like me grabbing whatever and putting things down and not eating, not, you know, obsessing about it. And I think I can't like fully remember exactly where I was going with this other than that it, there's no clear blueprint and it's scary when we've been trained so much for so long 
And the marketing is that. That's the thing that's so scary. It's such effective marketing around dieting that makes us want to be that healthy girl or that healthy person and that healthy identity is that if you're that, you're everything. And if you're not that, then you are nothing. You're lazy, you're you know, undisciplined, all the things, not pretty, not not attractive, you're never going to get married, like God forbid (laughs) you don't find a partner. You know, it's like so many things like that, that's a part of it, that no wonder it's scary as all hell to try to break away from it and to build trust because you've been told your entire life that you can't trust it. And so now we're telling you, you can, and you're thinking, what kind of scam is this? You (laughs) You know, like, wait, 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 we've been told we can't. And that's really scary. It's really scary. To break away from and for anyone who's listening who's kind of going through that journey or even like dabbling with the idea of maybe I can try to trust it I mean you're listening to this so there's a part of you that wants to and so to me I, I say I say you're already doing the work by just questioning it to begin with and that's the first phase to me it's just questioning it what would you say would be one of the going back to your own personal story um Victoria, what would you say would be something that was one of your first phases when you first started questioning what you were doing? I would say, you know, the first thing for me was um, I remember uh, very vividly one evening I was in college um, and I lived with like six girls. It was so fun. But I remember just like watching other people at one point. And just watching my roommates and how they were with food and how they just started, they just ate popcorn on like randomly and in the evening and like, didn't even think twice about it or ate, you know, a bowl of ice cream and the world didn't totally like shift and change for them. And I started to see like, wow, they seem really happy. (laughs) They seem like it's not a big deal. They don't go and exercise it off or feel, you know, seem to feel really guilty about it. Just, they just enjoy it. And I remember like, that was one of the pivotal moments for me where I saw that, which I think goes back to saying, like, when you start to make these shifts, I think the story in our head can oftentimes be that, like, everything's going to change. People are going to judge us, but also like there, I was like seeing how my, my roommates were eating and wanting that for myself. It was a totally different narrative, wanting that for myself, seeing the, the freedom that they had around food and wanting that. And that was one of the first times where I was like, man, maybe this is actually possible. Um, and then from there, you know, there were a couple of years between then and when I learned about intuitive eating that I was still struggling and wrestling with all of this. Um, and then when I learned about intuitive eating, I feel like at that point for me, I'd had so much like groundwork happening that everything just clicked for me. And I, I knew I was like, this is how, this is how our bodies were made to eat. Like it just made so much sense. And so, um, so I, I'm a big fan of intuitive eating conversations on podcasts because it was so instrumental for me, but yeah, just like seeing other people and the world not totally changing and them not totally changing when, you know, they had a a good relationship with food. I was like, man, maybe that's possible for me too. Yeah. Well, so speaking of, you know, finding a new narrative, one of the things that we've been talking about is 
a big reason that people are stuck in this, you know, healthy person identity that becomes their whole being is because their idea of health is very perfectionistic, right? So when we're looking to redefine that in the hopes of helping our clients and, you know, the listeners of this podcast to see a different way that doesn't have to be all or nothing, but still is, you know, health forward, let's say in a more neutral way, what does health mean to you and how do you help your clients and your audience on your podcast redefine health? Yeah. So I think it starts with, we talked about this question before of just figuring out, you know, what does healthy look like for me? And it just starts with that question of like, well, what do I want to do? Like what, how do I want to be around food? How do I want to move my body and starting to just explore those questions with curiosity? I think that's curiosity is like the most powerful and under talked about mindset, just having a curious mindset of like, how do, how do I want to feel? How do I want to eat? How do I want to think about food? Start to ask those questions because so often, you know, the way that we've been brought up with diet culture is just, you know, external cues, just telling you what to do, telling you how to eat, telling you how to move your body. The first thing that I would say to start doing is to just turn that, flip that and start to ask yourself those questions. I think that we have a lot more knowledge internally than we give ourselves credit with. And this is just like, even also just a first step of building trust with yourself, starting to, you know, give yourself that opportunity to have the right answer. Right. Um, so I would say, you know, start there, start with just exploring what does healthy look like for me? What do I want it to look like for me? And how can I start to maybe take a little baby step towards that? You know, if it's like, I want, you know, I really want to make moving my body a priority. Let's start with a baby step of like, maybe just going for a little walk a couple times a week, right? That's like a very simple for most people, um, action that they can take. And, um, it doesn't have to be tied with a diet. It can just be, you know what, this feels really good. Just also noticing how does, how do certain behaviors, how do certain habits feel in my body and use that as the motivation versus, um, you know, the perfection mindset that we were talking about before, just start to tap into how, how do I feel when I do these things? How do I want to feel? And I think that how, that, that, um, that can be really great motivation for anything that you want to do. Yeah, we love that. Well, Victoria, thank you again so much for coming on. I know this conversation will be really um, identifiable for a lot of other people. <laughs> like This will really resonate with people. So thank you for having this conversation with us. So please tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. So I am at victoria-yates.com. That's my website. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And so I have a free consult call if anyone wants to reach out and talk more. Um, and also I'm on, over on Instagram at non-diet underscore RN. And I share a lot over there. And then I have a podcast called the Redefining Health Podcast. So you can come listen. I put out a new episode every Tuesday. Mm -hmm.